From the Not A Foodie studio in beautiful Greenpoint, Brooklyn, it's the Not A Foodie radio show on Radio Rampa 620 AM. I am your co-host, Tom Miali, and with me as always... Mike Maranti. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Wonderful. Really, truly wonderful. We've got an awesome show today. We've got like a crazy, crazy awesome show. It's like one of my favorite shows that we've recorded. So we're going to talk about Super Bowl food. Are we allowed to talk about Super Bowl? Oh, we said the word Super Bowl. Too late. Too late. We said it. Sorry. So we're going to we're going to talk about food for the big game. We're going to talk um, about um, our friend Arthur Wellesley, who is the person who Welly Boots were named. Welly's Boots were named after Welly's or Welly's. I, I, I still don't know. All right. Also, the person who the Beef Wellington was named More after. More importantly. <laughs> yes. We've got our friend Vincent V coming in. Uh, he's a food and beverage consultant. He does like bar rescue stuff. He's the best bartender in New York City. He is the most knowledgeable bartender by far that I have ever met. Um, he's going to come on. He's going to talk about um, consulting, some horror stories that he's seen. But more importantly, he's going to talk about cocktail trends and uh, hopefully drink some some beverages with us. And um, I think to start it off, we should talk about uh, food news like we do. Yeah. I was thinking that we need to come up with a food news sort of um, like intro. Da, 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 da. It's food no, news. It's food. There you go. That's yeah. it. Done. So um, I have one thing that I want to talk about. I finally... Finally, have watched the Fire Festival documentaries. Both of them. Both of them. I haven't watched either one yet. But yes. I was told you watched the Hulu one first and then the Netflix one. Yes, and they're both awesome, and they're both awesome for different reasons. Um, the the Hulu one is is funny, like in a sad way, and the um, Netflix one will infuriate you. The guy is on the Netflix one, right? They're both the scam artist guy. Yeah, he, he's on both. He's of them. on both. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and he gives interviews for the Hulu one. Like he oh, sit that, down. that's what I yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah. Okay, for the Hulu one, he gave interviews. Yeah, but he's okay. he's he's like like someone who needs to be in front of a camera. So there's plenty of footage of him, no matter what. Mm-hmm. But anyway, what what strikes me, what always what struck me about this, and and the reason that's food news is, I don't know if you saw the story of um, the woman who's the caterer um, down on the island, Exuma, Grand Exuma, I think is the name of the island in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. Have you have you heard this story? I've heard it, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the Fire Festival was this great big music festival that was promised to be, like, the best music festival ever in the world. Um, turned out to be a giant scam. It was just a disaster. Um, and it left a whole bunch of people in ruin, including this one woman who owns the Exuma Point Bar and Grill. And she ended up not getting paid for anything. She ended up having to go into her savings and spend all of her savings, like $50,000, to pay employees. It was It was incredible. But the, the, the best part of this story is that there was a GoFundMe that was set up, and she ended up recouping over $200,000, I believe. Good. And, and that was it. But it was, it was incredible. She basically thought that she was going to be making money hand over fist because there were all of these people that were diverted to her restaurant that were drinking and having a good time and everything like this. This is because the actual festival site was not ready when people were arriving. So they were just diverting busloads of quote-unquote influencers to this site. And they were partying like crazy. She never got paid for anything. She had a team of 10 people working around the clock 24 hours a day to to prepare food for and the construction. And they her. just didn't pay her. So it was, it was ridiculous. But so that's well, my, He's in jail now. He's in jail now. Um, he's in jail. I think he's in the same jail as Michael Cohen. That's what I read. Sounds right. Yeah, that sounds about right. White collar prison. Sounds about white. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so that's my food story of the week. And you have anything? Uh, not not that important. I, no, nothing that important? Well, we're going to be real quick today because we've got a crazy long show. Um, we're going to take a really quick break and we'll be back in a minute. This is the Not A Foodie Radio Show on Radio Rampa 620 AM. Stick around. Back, back. after this. If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so, BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, 
The staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and, more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour. And we are back with the Not A Foodie Show at Radio Rampa Studios in beautiful Greenpoint, Brooklyn, 620 AM. Mike. I got it. I got it, right? Like, it's a lot of information. (laughs) Mike, what's tomorrow? The big game. The big game. Yeah, I don't know if you're actually you're allowed not. to say the words. We can't. Tomorrow is the the this super game that is being played um, in, it's a football game, American style football, um, being played in Hotlanta. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking that since we're doing a food radio show, and since tomorrow is one of the biggest eating days of the year. It's just one of the biggest days of the year. It is. It is. I think that the Monday after the big game should be a day off. It should be a it, national holiday. That and opening day of the baseball especially season. Especially for the for that, especially if your team is in it. Yeah. Win, win or lose, if, you're, if your state or city's team is in it, you need the, that Monday off. And I feel like if you, even if you're not a sports fan, you can get behind this idea of having a national holiday, right? Like, I feel like this is, this is something that we should all... We, call your local representative and demand the Monday after the big game off. So what are you making for the big game tomorrow? All right. So I, I have, can't keep saying the big game. It just sounds no, so weird. We're just going to say, what are we making for tomorrow? Yeah. What are you making for yeah. tomorrow? I have two signature dishes. Okay. I do a buffalo chicken dip, which isn't anything crazy impressive, but it's delicious. What is it? Uh, I do it in a stovetop. I don't do it in the oven. Okay. Chicken, cream cheese, mozzarella cheese. A uh, whole thing of buffalo sauce, just mix it all together. And so, dip. do you um like slow smoke a chicken? That's no, all dude, that's I use been canned chicken. You canned chicken? I use canned chicken, and nobody knows, and everyone loves it. Well, now everybody knows. I tell now, now the whole tri-state area and whoever else listens to yeah. the the show via podcast knows. First of all, um, are you a, a World War II housewife? Like, Look, where do you get canned chicken from? The store. And they 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 have it. I don't know who buys it. It must only be for. Uh, is it like your like your Buffalo little local there. bodega? It's has... like any store I've ever went to when I since I've been making this. Really, I've never had to look for canned chicken. Wow. Okay, so canned chicken is it like shredded chicken? I've never yeah, eaten canned it's chicken. Like shredded chicken. And I've you, never had your dip, so you I don't dry know. it out and you drop it in and you just mix everything together. Really, and cheese melts and then it's just buffalo sauce. And you just put it. You do it all stovetop. Yeah. And then what do you serve it with? Uh, Tostito scoops. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, then I do a bacon cheeseburger calzone. Okay. So I, I take, um, ground beef and bacon and shredded mozzarella, uh, shredded cheddar cheese. I mix it all, a little ketchup, barbecue sauce. Oh my God. That sounds disgusting, but I need to eat it right now. And I take a Pillsbury, uh, pizza dough and I roll it like, and I put pickles in it too. And I roll it like a calzone and I bake it till the, (laughs) to the Pillsbury settings. I do egg wash on it. Mike, this is this is like the not a foodie dish. This is absolutely a thousand percent not a foodie's dish. Yeah. Oh wow. And then because uh, the Rams are in it, I'm gonna make um, ribs for St. Louis. I know they're in LA now, but yeah. I'm gonna make Instapot ribs. Okay. That so that's what I usually do. I usually do something that's themed to the city where it's taking place. So I don't do, usually go with the teams. I go with the city of where it's taking place. Are you going to do hot wings? Are you going to do? I'm going to try to do the uh, the wet wings, the lemon pepper wet wings, which are like Atlanta is pretty famous for. Atlanta is also famous for having like the most strip clubs. I thought Tampa was. Is uh, Atlanta? I, I, or Atlanta has like the. The best strip club. I don't know. I, Something about Atlanta and strip clubs. You st- you tuned out after you just yeah. saw Atlanta and strip clubs? All right, cool. Well, yeah, so I'm going to do some sort of southern food. Um, there will be probably no strippers at my probably. at my party because um, it's just going to be a small gathering of my family. Um, and so I'm going to do something southern. I'll do probably – I might do like a fried chicken. Um, usually I do – some sort of large format, and I think that I can, if I just do a whole bunch of, like, lemon pepper wings, like, that'd be I, really good. I'd say 100 wings is a large format. 100, 100 wings? That's what they do. Oh, they don't do 100 wings, but Momofuku, they do the two fried chickens as a large format. Yeah, that's nice. Um, 
I, but I, I have some standbys that I usually just come up with. I mean, it's, it's the, the big game. So there's always like nachos and I, mm-hmm. and there's always like a queso dip. Um, there, my, and my kids love that stuff. My kids, first of all, love to be able to eat in front of the TV. That's like such a novelty for them. Um, we're, we are a very dining room. So, well, my kids, when we're all eating together, we, we all eat at the dining room table. Then if my kids and I are eating separately, like my wife and I just, um, sit at the coffee table, watch TV and eat, you know, take out, um, or we cook an elaborate dinner. But <laughs> more on that. Yeah. <laughs> more on that in the next segment. Um, but yeah, so they love like just sitting in front of the TV and, and just munching on little things here and there. So I'll probably make some like little like nachos and things like that. Sausage bread used to be a, a staple, but I think it be, it's just too much. It's like too heavy. Just buy the frozen pigs in the blanket. No, frozen pigs in the blanket. What are you talking about? I go out and I make my own pigs in blankets. I go out and I make my own hot. No, are, I don't. Are you going to make your own uh, bacon cheeseburger calzone? I will not. Oh. I will not. But now, I don't know. I might have to actually. Yeah. So uh, give like, let's go through this. I really want to know what the bacon cheeseburger cows oh, on. Like, yeah. so what do you do? You go so out and you buy some ground beef, ground beef and bacon, uh-huh. onions, uh, garlic. Get you know, get the garlic and the onions sweating. Drop the ground beef in. Oh, drop the bacon in there first. Drop the ground beef in there. Cook the ground beef till it browns. Okay. Throw some cheese, uh, shredded cheese, so it melts. Uh-huh. Uh huh. A little ketchup and barbecue sauce in there too. Why do you throw the cheese in before? I mean, you're going to bake it, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I just you just I do. Just do. Okay. Um, but you put ketchup and barbecue sauce in the, in the meat, so it doesn't dry out. Oh, it's the, not going to dry out. I mean, you got five pounds of fat in it. You got it's bacon. Delicious. Okay, it all right. Uh, take it out. Take the Pillsbury pizza dough. Put it out flat. Um, put the meat in the middle, and then uh, pickles, and then roll it like a calzone. It's really hard to flip it. Oh my god, Mike. You and cook then, like you cook like a twenty-two-year-old uh, stoner. Oh, no, I started making this in college. Yeah, <laughs> and I want I want to play this episode back for you ten years from now, or after after you have kids, if you have kids someday. Like I want to play this episode back for you because this is this is crazy. This is awesome. I love it. It's, it's it, yeah, and I usually make two because one isn't enough for a bunch of people. <laughs> And what kind of dough do you use? You use like crescent roll dough, or? Pillsbury pizza dough. Pillsbury pizza because dough. it's the same type of dough as a calzone. Uh huh. And I I'm not gonna make my own dough. Right. And I just flip it and bake it and egg wash. I add the egg wash. I don't know. If All I, right, gourmet, they, they gourmet uh, touch. Tell you about that, yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's meat wrapped in pastry, which is I mean, that's been for hundreds of years. That's been a staple. <laughs> so, any predictions for tomorrow? Oh, Patriots by a million. Oh, I'm not going to make any football predictions. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My predictions are I'm going to have a couple scotches. I'm going to watch the game. Um, my wife, who is a Patriots fan, is either going to be very upset or very happy. I mean, like, how happy can you be, actually, like, after winning multiple oh, times? Like, it's, it's, it's at this point, no, it's just, no, no. Eh. It's still incredible. It's always no, incredible. No, it's not. No, it's not. Look at him. He's like the Yankee fan. Yeah, He's looking at me. It's always like, incredible. Disparagingly as a Mets fan. He's like, no, it's always incredible when we win a championship, bro. It's never not great. <laughs> All right. Well, my other prediction is that um, Mike is going to take photos of his meal, send it to me, and I'm going to be completely jealous. Uh, like, I might just make one tonight just to show you. <laughs> just so you, you get it in the mind. I'll text it to Nate, actually. So then you have to have it. <laughs> All right, cool. (laughs) Well, speaking of meat wrapped in pastry, stay tuned for our next segment. We're going to be talking about the history of beef wellington and how awesome it is and how decadent it is. And how you just made one. I just made one. And that's it coming up next on the Not A Foodie podcast. We'll be back in a minute. Hey, everyone. It's Tom from the Not A Foodie show. Are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant-loving audience? The Not A Foodie radio show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets. For a free consultation or for more information, email info at notafoodie.com. That's info at notafoodie.com.
And we're back. Thanks for tuning in to AM620 Radio Rampa. It's the Not A Foodie Show. As always, I'm Mike Moranti. Hey, I'm Tom. Uh, we just talked about some food that we're going to eat this Sunday, but let's talk about what we did last week, Tom. <laughs> so last week, um, I got a text from Mike saying, I want to do a episode or a segment about Beef Wellington. And I was like, Immediately texted back, like, okay, that means I have to make a Beef Wellington tonight. This was supposed to be a segment on the history of Beef Wellington, <laughs> but now it's going to be a segment on how Tom made a Beef Wellington. <laughs> we could do both. Yeah, no, get into the history first. Well, before we get into any of that, I just want to say that my wife was extremely happy that you suggested uh, making a Beef Wellington. You're welcome. <laughs> so it was, we, I mean, it was delicious. It was, so let's talk about what a Beef Wellington is first. So Beef Wellington is a filet mignon. Mm-hmm. Uh, with uh, foie gras around mm-hmm. it, yep, and then a puff pa- baked into a puff pastry. Yes, and, and there's with, uh, mushrooms. Yeah, mushrooms. There's a bunch of chopped up mushrooms. It's some. It's duck cells. They call it uh, mushroom caviar. It's just really, really finely chopped mushrooms. Um, a layer of that, um, the filet mignon, and then the puff pastry around it. So it's all baked inside the puff pastry. Um, one of the interesting things about it is that. You don't know how it's going to turn out until you cut it open. Like, it's done, and you're like, I hope that it looks good, and then you cut it open, and it's either completely satisfying or it's a total disaster. Oof. Yeah, so mine was uh, mine was completely satisfying and awesome. Yeah, the, but you could check out our Instagram, at Not A Foodie Picks, and see pictures of it. It's There's, at Not A Foodie Show, actually. Not, oh, at Not A Foodie Show. There's also a story. On, I have the story on my personal, so at Timmy Alley. I know, he's rolling his eyes. I didn't, I mean, you you brung it up. <laughs> content, content, content. Yes, I know. Um, so, first of all, let's talk about the Beef Wellington. Did you know, did you know that the Beef, do you know who um, Arthur Wellesley? He was he the Archduke of Wellington? He was, but he was also the vanquisher of the evil Napoleon at the Battle of Waterloo. Oh. And he was the Prime Minister of England twice. And did you know that he also wore um, boots that were sort of high that kept you out of the mud? And they were later known as wellies. Did you know that? You, no. know, you know what wellies are, no. right? Oh, you don't know what wellies are? Oh, so the guy who invented, the guy who the Beef Wellington is named after. Supposedly. Supposedly. No, it's named after him, but he didn't invent it. Um, but he also has these boots named after him because he used to wear these boots into battle. And they were like the high fashion of the, of the time. Um, I can't believe you don't know what wellies are. That's when commanders didn't get shot, though. So he could wear whatever he wanted. <laughs> well, I mean, he, yeah. <laughs> but he was at the ba- Battle of Waterloo. <laughs> anyway, they, uh, they named this dish after him. And it's sort of unclear why, like, for years, uh, England was baking meats into pastries. In fact, that's something that... Whenever I travel to England or Australia or any of the former, you know, continents or the former British Empire, not the United States, I am amazed at the meat pies. Like, the hand pies. The hand pies, like everywhere. You go to a soccer match and instead of having like a hot dog and a beer, you have a beer and a hand pie, like a pie that a steak and ale pie or a steak and kidney pie. Or like it's just baked into a pastry and it's awesome. It's like, I think I would prefer that. It's a hot pocket, but it's an awesome hot pocket. <laughs> yeah. At, at a Yankee game, I would definitely prefer that. Well, it's also sometimes it's a little colder out, so you want that, yeah. you know, that warmer, you know, pie. Um, and hot fact, dogs are gross when you actually think about them. Yeah, you don't think about hot dogs. Yeah. You never want to know how the sausage is made. <laughs> I mean, unless you're me, then you obsess over how the sausage is made. But so Beef Wellington is is named after Arthur Wellesley. Um, a, the rubber boot was also named after him. And they sort of don't know why this was named after him. I mean, there's a French version. I mean, if you talk about Buffon Crout, like it's just, it's beef inside a puff pastry. Um, but anyway, this dish is, is awesome. And it's, it's a challenge to make, and it's a challenge to make it come out perfectly. But it, um, if it does come out perfectly, it's like a great special occasion dish. So uh, run us through how you made yours. Okay. Well, of course, because... I'm me. I had to use my sous vide machine. Actually, before I get into this, the making of the meat, let's talk about filet mignon because the, the centerpiece of the, uh, of the beef wellington is the filet mignon in the middle of it. Um, the filet mignon, and this is not a hot take that I think a lot of people know this. It's mediocre. 
It's mediocre at best. The only thing that the filet mignon has going for it is part of the porterhouse <laughs> is its texture. Is its texture? It's. I feel like it's flavorless. It um. It doesn't have enough fat in it. It's. It's. It can be very be very easily dried out. Um. So, but it's it's soft. It it's melts butter, in your mouth. It's, yeah. It melts in your mouth. So the challenge with cooking this beef Wellington was you since you have to use a filet mignon. A filet mignon is perfect for this. A filet mignon is perfect because the smoothness of the meat and the the texture of the meat goes perfectly with the pastry crust around the outside. Like you don't want to have a nice chewy ribeye. Oh, you can't. You can't do it. You want to have something that'll slice right through, be really mushy and good and delicious. And filet too, you can also, you can't do ribeye black and blue. Like you can say you can, but it it loses. It really has to get cooked medium rare. Filet, you can do black and blue. So what I did with the filet was I took the filet. Well, okay. So again, back to the filet. I, the challenge is keeping it rare enough so that it's awesome when it comes out, but also adding a whole bunch of flavor to it because it doesn't really have that much flavor. It doesn't have the, I, it doesn't have the steak flavor. That's why you always see bacon-wrapped filet mignon. You never see a bacon-wrapped ribeye rib because ribeye has got flavor. Filet mignon does not. So what I did was I sous vide First of all, I seared the filet mignon in a cast iron skillet, put a nice little crust on the outside of it. And then I sous vide it for a couple of hours, just barely rare, like medium rare, rare, right? Um, Took it out and then threw it in the fridge. And I threw it in the fridge for like four or five hours, just let it cool down. So now I've got this barely cooked steak that is in the fridge that is cooling down. So when I... Then I made all of the other stuff. I forgot about the, you know, forgot about that. Just left it in the fridge. Then I made all of the other stuff. So you I made, made the, the puff pastry from scratch. Chris, uh, my wife made the the puff pastry. Yeah. Crazy. I know. She She's a pastry maker. She's the baker in the family. I am not. So she made the pastry dough. Um, I made the duck cells, which is the, the chopped mushrooms. And really, you're supposed to add uh, foie gras to the duck cells or a layer of foie gras somewhere inside the the, the beef wellington, but I added instead um, some duck pate that I found at the at the supermarket. And some prosciutto. Yes. Well, I'm getting to that. <laughs> so I added the, so now you've got your filet mignon, you've got your duck cells that have the pate in it, right? So there's two components. Then what you want to do is you want to wrap that inside the pastry dough, but if you just wrap that in the pastry dough, your pastry dough is going to become mushy and gross. So you need a layer to block the moisture. You need a moisture-blocking layer. So Salt-cured <laughs> Salt-cured pig. So prosciutto. I put a layer of prosciutto in there. And then a layer of phyllo dough, which is a tip that I learned from um, Serious Eats, uh, J. Kenji Lopez-Alt. And he, he does this this great technique where you just put phyllo dough before you wrap it in the puff pastry. So the phyllo dough and the prosciutto just create this great moisture barrier so that you can get your puff pastry like really crispy and really, really just puffed out perfectly. And it, the juices from the steak don't seep into the pastry. So then what I did was I, I cooked it at a really high temperature because you got to remember the meat inside is already cooked. You just want to get it warm. So sort of everything that's in there is already cooked and ready to go. Um, you just want to make sure that it's warm you're enough to eat. You're cooking the dough. You're cooking the dough and you're warming the inside. Mm-hmm. And uh, so probably 25 minutes in the oven, at you know, like at like 425, 415, 425. Um, if I were to do it again, so I was a little bit gun shy, right? Like I was a little bit gun shy that I was going to overcook that piece of meat because like I said, I don't like filet mignon and overcooked filet mignon is like the worst thing ever. So I was a little gun shy with the temperature and I think I took it out a little bit too soon. Like I could have left that in there for um, a longer period of time and had the the puff pastry been a little bit crisper and more cooked all the way through, more like flaky all the way through. Um, But that's just me being a perfectionist. I mean, it was completely awesome. But that's the point of like, Trying a dish out is like, how can I do this even better the next time? And that's yeah, how you master and that's something. absolutely, you know, how I did it. Do you think yours is better than one if by land, two if by seas? Ooh, 
I don't know. I've never had one if by land, two if by seas. <laughs> they're one of the few restaurants in New York, right, that serve beef Wellington. Mm-hmm. They're definitely like the, that's like a New York City like staple dish. I would say like a cat's uh, pastrami sandwich, one if by land, two if by seas, beef Wellington. Really? I, I would say so. Like a like how Mariano Rivera has a cutter. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also, though, I found out there's a little uh, butcher shop in Fresh Meadows on Union Turnpike called Ottomanelli's. That's oh, a, I know Ottomanelli's. Yeah. Yeah. They sell beef Wellington ready to go. Do they? Yeah. Wow. I, I feel like it's got to be hard to. Well, no, I guess not. I guess if it's made that day, it's fine well, to just pop in the Maybe they make it to order. I'm not, but it came up on Yelp. So that's cool. Oh, wow. That's mm-hmm. good. So, yeah, no. So that's everything that you need to know about beef Wellington. I'm definitely going to make it again. And I'm going to experiment with it. I think that a cool little way to experiment with it is to, like, deconstruct it. What What's the the big filet mignon called? Oh, I don't know. The, no, it's like how a T-bone is a porterhouse filet mignon. Is it? Um, it's a loin. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a tenderloin. Yeah, you should do that. A whole tenderloin? Yeah. Oh, man. There are some crazy Instagram uh, videos of these these folks over in the UK that do these amazing whole tenderloins and all they, their whole thing is doing this like puff pastry surrounded by meat and it's insane. I and I forget their name but I'm going to put the link Chef on Callum. the page and yeah, Chef Callum but I don't know, it's like the Holborn dining room I think it is. Um I'll put his link up on the the website. Cool. But yeah. So that's Beef Wellington. That was my Saturday night. So we went from um the last segment talking about hamburger meat and ketchup and barbecue sauce wrapped in pizza dough to Beef Wellington. Not a foodie. <laughs> That's it. All right. You're listening to the Not a Foodie Show at 6.20 a.m. Radio Rampa. We'll we have, be back in a minute. We have a really great guest coming up. Oh, yeah. Stick around. If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so... BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, the staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and, more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour. Hey everyone, it's Tom from the Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant loving audience? The Not A Foodie Radio Show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets. For a free consultation or for more information, email info at notafoodie.com. That's info at notafoodie.com. We are back with the Not A Foodie Radio Show on 620 AM, Radio Rampa, at Not A Foodie Show on Instagram, and at Not A Foodie Show on Twitter. Mike. Yeah. We've got a special guest. A very good friend of both of ours. Wait, before we introduce our guest, can I just um, say that I like our batting average with guests that bring us alcohol? Yeah. <laughs> or, or ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> so with us today is our friend, Vincent V, who is a food and beverage consultant. Vince, welcome. Hey, how are y'all doing? <laughs> All right. Wonderful. So Vince, you, um, I know you for, for years. Uh, you, were, you were a bartender. You helped uh, open up bars. Um, and now you're venturing off in, into the food and beverage consulting world. And uh, so you've got a, a new company, right? It's called, what, Express and Discard? Express and Discard Consulting. Cool. And so what do you guys do? Um, we're specializing in uh, bar startups. That's what I have the most experience in. Um, you know, we're touching, trying to touch everything. Um, focusing more on kind of bar-forward restaurants is kind of more of our sweet spot. Uh, so you know, we've been doing bar rescues. We've helped some people open some bars. Some, you know, some places we're just helping out with a cocktail menu. Sometimes it's like hiring and training the entire staff. But. Yeah. And, and your background, I mean, obviously you've, you've opened a bunch of places, but, um, I, the places that I've drank at with you, um, <laughs> are, are really cocktail forward. I mean, everything from like tiki drinks to, you know, sort of. Um, Prohibition era stuff and, you know, more really cocktail forward yeah. stuff. End of the century RIP is like one of my favorite <laughs> bars yeah. ever. End of the century was a tiki cocktail bar 
in Forest Hills in a place that like just wasn't accessible by anybody. That was I mean, like a I was there. summer of a of a little <laughs> bar venture there. It just like I it mean, was it perfect. Was a, Odd place to choose to place a bar. It just kind of like fell in their lap at that place. Uh, yeah. It was in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and it was sort of not a tiki neighborhood. Nah. You know, you were betting <laughs> that tiki was going to take off and and it did, but just not in that neighborhood. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what are you doing now? What's what the bar rescue stuff? Uh, you're working, you know, how did that, how did that come about? Uh, well, you know, I had a lot of jobs where I've been, uh, you know, like, I knew I was going to open up a bar in, like, six months. So I was like, oh, I got to figure out something to do for, like, six months here and there. And, you know, that led to, like, me making a couple cocktail lists. And there was a couple places I just came into, you know, bartend. And then I was like, I can't really work under these conditions. <laughs> and they're like, can you fix it for us? And I'm like, well, uh, maybe. Can like, you pay me? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the question it took me a little while to learn to ask immediately. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, can you promise to pay me when it gets fixed and put that in writing? Um, but, uh, <laughs> well, so Mike and I have this. Uh, we've been talking about this a lot. We were talking about um, horror stories that, you know, maybe we want to have people on the show, servers talking about horror stories, things like that. I mean, I can't think of a better person to talk about horror stories <laughs> than a food and beverage consultant, someone who is paid to come in and fix all the screw-ups. The things so. I've seen. Oh, man. So, I've like, what's, what's some of the juicy – give me, like, your juiciest, like – Remember that we are a uh, a radio show and the FCC <laughs> is listening, but give right. me some of like, the, um, the best stories well, from your Speaking days. of juice. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> what so a segue. I go into this, uh, get brought into this cocktail bar. Kind of a, I wasn't working as a consultant at the time, but I brought, was, yeah, came in just to bartend a couple days a week. And then, yeah, it was one of those situations where like, I just can't work under these conditions. Uh-huh. And they're like, can you fix it for us? I was like, all right. So I ended up becoming a food and beverage director at the place for a little while. And uh, I knew that they were squeezing fresh juice every day. This was like a place that had previously had a very good reputation as like a high-end cocktail bar. And then all the upper management left. No one knew the recipes. No one knew how to do anything. But they still had the infrastructure to Uh do good cocktails. And so they're still uh, squeezing the juice every day. But they're just putting it into the same bucket. So they basically have this oh. Solera <laughs> like juice program. <laughs> oh. I was like, maybe they're like ahead of their time. Maybe they're onto something. So they like at all times kept like a liter of lemon and lime juice. But like if they used a half a liter the last day, they'd just add a half of a liter on top of it. <laughs> and like one of the reasons this sticks out in my mind is because like it was the exact same amount of effort to do it completely right and squeeze fresh juice every day. But for some reason, they were just they like were just to bulk their to... numbers and like give them a yeah. little padding. They were like, you know, like, yes, some of the juice in this cocktail I mean... was squeezed today. And some of it, I think the bucket got cleaned out two months ago. Well, so I mean, it says on the menu, fresh squeezed. It doesn't say when it was fresh squeezed. So. Maybe I mean... they were trying to do some sort of ferment or something. Oh, <laughs> in, in college, uh, we shared the the kitchen with the culinary kids and they made fresh squeezed orange juice but uh-huh. it was like a couple of days old so it started to ferment and so the teacher was like oh yeah this the culinary kids made it drink it before it goes bad so we're all drinking it and looking at each other and like getting buzzed as like 18 <laughs> year olds with knives drinking bad yeah. orange juice <laughs> open air fermented <laughs> we, we all I looked guess. at each other with like and we're like oh okay and no one say anything like <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So anything else? Any other, like, crazy stories that you could think of? I mean, most of the craziest stuff I've seen has been more people-related than actual yeah. product-related. Well, I um, feel like uh, like people get into – people want to open a bar or a restaurant because they think it's romantic. They don't realize the work that goes into it. No, they do not. And sometimes their personality <laughs> just does not mesh with anything. Um, and all of the personalities involved with opening a bar from the customers to the servers, to bartenders, to, you know, kitchen staff, like it's all just it, part of what you have to do as a restaurant owner and as a bar owner is just be able to manage those personalities. Right? Oh yeah. Like, so I'm yeah. quickly learning, like, uh, going in as a consultant to places that, uh, the IQ part of it is usually secondary to the EQ part of it. It's. Yeah, uh, people's like ability to interact with people and like hold people accountable, confront people without being complete jerks. Like That's a lot it. of times, these yeah. are the biggest 
things that are keeping them from succeeding. Yeah. There's plenty of places with mediocre product that do completely fine because they're ran well. Yeah. Uh, Have you ever heard you hire the personality? Yeah. Yeah. Like the resume only matters so much and the personality is really I, I agree with that a thousand percent. I was just talking to my kids about that. Like doesn't matter how smart you are. It's it's how hard you work and how well you can work with other people. You know, yeah, I can cool? teach anyone to shake a drink, but yeah. like, right. I can't teach you not to be a jerk or right. how to be at work on time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hard, no, that's it. Talent, talent never beats hard work. Something like yeah. that. I don't know. You can put that on a poster <laughs> yeah. with a kitten hanging I'll from find a tree it. or something. I'll find like a yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so Vince, you've got this new company now. It's called um, Express and Discard, and what is it? Express ExpressDiscard.com is the website. Yeah, and you got an Instagram. Uh, yeah, I just started it. I, I knew me some followers. Like, All right, like, shout out. Here we go. Um, but it's uh, Express Discard NYC is the Instagram. Cool. You're Are we going to be seeing Facebook or... fermented juices on uh, like half? Uh, no, uh, I usually sign. Uh, non-disclosures with actual consulting clients. So most of my horror stories are really going to come from my like management days. Um, yes, I am. I all of a sudden though, this popped in my mind. Like that is the perfect like <laughs> Instagram to to uh, to set up, right? Like horror bar horror stories, oh, NYC or something. Oh. Yeah, so bad. Well, <laughs> not to disgust everybody, um, but we're we're going to come back. And we're going to talk about um, cocktail trends, things that you're seeing, uh, looking forward, and um, just all the new fun stuff. So, Vince, you're going to stick around with us for the next segment? I'm not going or nowhere. Or two or three? All right, cool. So we're here. We're talking with Vincent V, owner of Express and Discard Bar Consulting. You're listening to the Not a Foodie Show on 620 AM Radio Rampa, and we'll be back after this. If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so, BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, the staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour. Hey everyone, it's Tom from the Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant loving audience? The Not A Foodie Radio Show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets. For a free consultation or for more information, email info at notafoodie.com. That's info at notafoodie.com. We are back with the Not A Foodie Show on 620 AM Radio Rampa. I'm Tom, and with me is Mike. And we've got Vincent V. Vince, thanks for sticking around for this, uh, for this segment. So glad to. So glad to. <laughs> so uh, if you if you haven't been listening, Vince is a food and beverage consultant. He is the owner of Express and Discard. Um, he, we've got some great horror stories from him in the last segment. Um, but I, what I want to talk about now is uh, you know more about cocktails and spirits and crazy stuff more than anyone I know. I introduce Vince or like when I talk about Vince, I say he's one of the best bartenders in New York City. I, I won't disagree with that yeah. at all. Like, I think I, he is one of the most knowledgeable, and I think there's so many things that I've picked up that I was like, I, I thought that I knew everything, and then, <laughs> then you introduce me to something, and I'm like, what, what the hell is that? So, so thanks. <laughs> so because of that, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, the cocktail trends. I mean, you know a lot about spirits. You know a lot about cocktails. You are a food and beverage consultant, so I feel like that's right in your wheelhouse. Okay. What do you think? What do you think? What's a what's the cocktail trend of twenty nineteen? Um, like the like the number one. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Just um, whatever you're CBD feeling. and like other uh, like cannabis infused cocktails. Yeah. I think is going to be big depending on what market you're in and what is legal to sell. But are are they doing like straight cannabis infused cocktails in like Colorado and? <sighs> So Seattle. one of them I was reading, there's a law that is keeping them from mixing the two and selling them in the same establishment. 
I think had, California, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But I think I'm seeing in Colorado, they're not hamstringed as much. There's a lot of experimental stuff yeah. going on with that. I had marijuana beer in Colorado. Um, Did you? Was it at a bar? No, it was at the uh, Great American Beer Festival. Okay, maybe. I don't know. But it wasn't, it didn't get you high. It was just like. Oh, so it was, it was like CBD. CBD. No, no, no. It was just brewed with it. Oh, so okay. Like, yeah. It, yeah. Okay, so no like, cannabinoids. It wasn't like a. Can- uh, yeah. right? Cannabinoids. Yes. Yeah. One of the edible like drinks. It wasn't like that. It was just like a beer brewed with marijuana. Mm. Cool. I think so. I just came back from the um, the fancy food show out mm. in San Francisco. You know all the new food products that are out there, and CBD was something that was probably the biggest trend in foods and in beverages. There are a lot of like CBD bubbly water and things mm. like that. So, I, are you seeing that in New York at all? Uh. A little bit. I heard there's a, I haven't been there, but I was told that there's a place up in Astoria now where that's kind of their main thing. There's like CBD CBD cocktails. Yeah, Yeah, they have a whole Um, CBD cocktail list. I'm Mm. a place I'm consulting for down in Bay Ridge right now. It's like a coffee shop, cocktail bar thing uh, called Matter. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're putting some CBD lattes and some CBD uh, cocktails on the menu, both non-alcoholic and, you know, uh, some, some alcohol in them. Cool. Vince, I think 2019 is going to be a big year for bacon, avocados, sriracha, and pumpkin spice. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's pretty accurate. Uh, I, I don't think no. any of those are going anywhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, wait to shout out our first episode. That was uh, For those of you that don't get it, that was our first episode of the Not A Foodie podcast, like, you know, a couple of years ago where we were talking about food trends that were overrated. Oh, and okay. that was two years ago. <laughs> Bacon, avocado, pumpkin spice. Yeah. And sriracha. And sriracha. <laughs> so what else do you think? What else do you think, um, you know, as far as, I just think you're going to see a lot of bad tiki, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I think that exactly the same thing that killed it the first time is about to kill it now. People making jungle birds with dull pineapple juice out of a can. Um, yeah. I think it's, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I that's, think it's that's sad, what happens, right? I think right? that's the reality of the situation. Like, you get, it's, uh, and, and I've brought this analogy up before and I got called out on it because it's from the Devil Wears Prada. It's like, you've got... Um, you know, the, the high fashion that gets trickled down to the gap and then all of a sudden dies, mm-hmm. like, you know, over years. And that's the cut. The Tiki revolution came about, what, like five years ago is when it first started, four mm-hmm. years ago? I'd say like when, like, Painkiller, PKNY yeah. was kind of the heyday of that. And, you know, a large part of, like, when all these were co- well, this resurgence was co- where it was coming from was people actually using fresh juices again and, like, doing the same thing that revived the original cocktail is yeah. fresh juices, quality ingredients. And now that, like, everyone has a cocktail uh, list for no matter where you're at, whether you should or not, like, there's always a cocktail list. Now all those cocktail lists also have a tiki drink or two on them. And those drinks are, like, heavily, heavily, like, even more so than classic drinks, I feel like. Like, if you're not using fresh pineapple juice and tiki, like, it's not. Yeah. Well, I mean. That's why it died. That's that's what happened in the 70s, right? Everyone, you know, canned coconut juice and canned... uh, or canned pineapple juice, things like that. Mm-hmm. I I see a lot of um, those like milk and honey cocktails on li- like uh, the penicillins everywhere. Yeah. Now. Well, so, that, yeah, they th- those have all gone mainstream. Yeah, right? those are just everywhere, right? I mean, what do you uh, what do you think that the next thing that goes mainstream besides the tiki drink? Um. That goes mainstream. Yeah, like, <laughs> what do, that you're gonna see rosé. The Frosé. Frosé. Yeah. Like, that's popular enough that it's, like, one of those trends I don't see backing down anytime soon. Like, every it's summer. one of those things. Every summer, it's popped back up. And people like it. It's cost-efficient. Yeah. It's not hard to do. I have to say, I had my first Frosé last year, I believe it was, because I just, I was adamantly against it. <laughs> and I, it was delightful. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty good. It was that's delightful. <laughs> I was like, this is horrible. This is, oh, it's a sellout, blah, 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 blah. And then I tasted it. And I was like, oh, this is good. It's like, it's like admitting you like Nickelback. It was like, it was like <laughs> really? It was delightful. I was, I was having a good time with it. Yep. <laughs> the Frosé. Um, so what are some awesome things that you're experimenting with now? Uh, that I'm experimenting with? Yeah, or... yeah. Like, what do you got? You know, I you, I see you brought a couple bottles with you. Okay. Which we always love. What are those? So this is a thing. I don't know that it's going to become a trend. I, I wish it would. <laughs> um, 
I don't really know of anyone hardly that's working with this. Uh, maybe about a year ago, a partner with me, uh, we stumbled across this stuff. And then when we opened Kill Devil, uh, we ended up incorporating it into like a tiki drink. Um, but it's kind of like an uber sherry. It's called okay. Rancia. Uh, Rancia. The dry version called like Rancia Sec. Okay. Um, it differs from... Is it, uh, is it Spanish? It is Spanish. Catalan. It's from, Catalan. Yeah, Catalan province. Okay. It's, uh, I guess, one of the main... I'm not a sherry expert, to be honest, but like the main differences in the production of this between uh, this and like to your typical sherry is that they're force oxidizing it for like an entire summer or season or sometimes even a year. So what does that mean? They're burying it in the dirt during the summer, especially, in these giant glass bottles that are half underground half above ground and i guess it makes it circulate a little bit oh wow the temperature difference so basically like everything that you don't want to happen to wine is they're trying to force it to happen to wine uh so it completely oxidizes it to a point where no more oxidation can really happen and then it gets fed back into the solera aging process uh like other sherries i I mean i haven't tasted it and i'm looking forward to tasting it and i'm we're going to convince you to stick around for the next segment so we can taste it Uh um but i bet you it's probably very um in intense and um complex like is it raisiny is it Um, it a little bit of the raisiny. It's not. Um, it does have the just like sherry it has like uh, dry and all the way to very sweet versions. Mm-hmm. I find the dry end of it to be way more interesting. Um, but I get like it's a little more earthy. Like I get some like mushroom and like earthy like fennel like. Sherry's one of those things that has also made a big comeback. Um, so this actually might wind up being a trend because sherry is something places used to have like one sherry just yeah. because you wanted some after dinner sherry. Now they'll have three, four, five of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it, for me, it conjures up images of, you know, a 1950s housewife like, going out to dinner and having, you know, a sherry afterwards. And, uh, it, but I was out maybe a year ago and someone ordered a sherry and I thought it was it was awesome. Very exciting. Cocktails are big now. Just a little, like, what kind of, can I see your sherry list? And I was like, and they had one. And I was very surprised by it. I went to Cork Buzz down in Union Square, great, great wine bar. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, can you put together a sherry flight for me? He's like, yeah. (laughs) Sure. Bop, bop, bop. (laughs) Explained to me three very different types of sherry. And like, it was great. All right. We're bringing back sherry. (laughs) Sign me up. All right. I'm on board for that. Vince, we're gonna we're gonna have to stop. We're running out of time, but if you stick around for our next segment, um, we'll taste some of the the rancio, and and that'll be that. So you're listening to the Not a Foodie Radio Show at Not a Foodie Show on Instagram and Twitter. This is Radio Rampa, six twenty a.m. We'll be back in a bit. If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so. BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, the staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and, more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour. Hey everyone, it's Tom from the Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant loving audience? The Not A Foodie Radio Show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets. For a free consultation or for more information, email info at notafoodie.com. That's info at notafoodie.com. And we're back. Thanks for staying in and tuning in with us. It's uh, 6.20 a.m., Radio Rampa, the Not A Foodie Show. Not as easy as it looks, right, to get no, all that information? it's incredibly hard. Yeah. Uh, as always, <laughs> it's me, Michael Moranti. Hey, I'm Tom. And uh, we're joined <laughs> for our last segment with our good friend, Vince, from the last two segments. And in true bartender fashion, he brought us booze. Mike, like I said, we've got a great batting average with uh, with guests bringing us booze. So if you want to, if you want to be on the Not a Foodie Show, just show up with alcohol and knock on the door. We'll let you in and put you, put a microphone in front of you. So usually this segment's called "What Are We Drinking This Week," where we talk about a, a cocktail, lesser known cocktail. Uh, Vince brought in a lesser known wine. 
and I'm gonna hand the mic over to him now and let him. Oh, okay. So instead of instead it. of going through like what are we drinking tonight, let's do what are we drinking right, right now, now yeah. right <laughs> at air. this very minute, Saturday afternoon, two o'clock or almost three o'clock, <laughs> on the Not a Foodie Radio Show. All right, Vince, what do we got? Uh, so this is Rancia, Rancio. Um, Rancio, Rancio Sec, it says on the bottle, right? Uh, Rancid Dry. Is That's, that what that means? Uh, technically what that means. I guess the Rancio can also be translated as like uh, persistent as well. But like, Rancid sounds more punk rock, more on brand <laughs> with you. Yeah. So I'll this, take that. This is, um, it's a Spanish or it's Catalan. a Catalan. Catalonian, um, it is a fortified wine that they Force oxidize. Okay. Uh, this wine cannot go bad. It is shelf stable. You can open the bottle, and it's just as good three years later as it was when you opened it. And, and it's not, but it's not going to age or anything. Nope. No, this is it. But especially if you keep it out of the light. You just like kept this in your fridge after you opened it. Half a bottle for three years won't be any different than when you uncorked it. Great. So what do we got? I've got two two bottles in front of me, two cups in front of me. So this is the biggest maker of uh, Rancia in Spain. It was actually almost a dead. Uh, dead spear class. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I guess, the, there's a group that does uh, historical food stuff that actually petitioned the Spanish government to give funds to uh, give an AOC and encourage people to uh, winemakers to like bring the style yeah. back. Uh, it was, AOC, can you explain what AOC is? I know that's a oh, oh, DOC is. Um... Italian, right? Was AOC? AOC is the area of constellation. Uh, he uh, probably appellation or origin. Yeah, something. Yeah, it's basically they, it's a, an original. Yeah, there's English. Uh, sorry, there's Italian, French, and Spanish ones, and I know when I see it what it is. Yeah, but I can't tell you. It's like Italian DOCG it or something like yeah, that. DOC Domain origin. DOCG. Come, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's basically explain what that means. It means that this it, it's, is from. So it's like a spe- It's like how champagne can only be from Champagne. Yes, and like Chianti that. can only be from yeah. Chianti. And Chianti Classico can only be, be from, from Chianti, Chianti Classico, which right. is the, the place where Chianti originated. Like from. the original. So this is one of those branded or one of those. It's a. Uh, it's got that label on it, so it can only be made in this specific area, I guess. Mm-hmm. With um, grapes that are native to the region, which is usually uh, Grenache Blanc and Grenache Noir. So you're using you're using the Grenache grapes for for these that we're drinking right now and it's so you're making the wine and then there's some sort of process that you know fortifies it or how does that work uh so it's made the big difference between this and typical sherry is it getting cooked in the sun um they intend they bury it in these big glass uh, vessels that are exposed to heat and sun for like the entire season up to a year wow Uh, and it just cooks the wine keeps it circulating as it turns back into the ground where it's cooler and after they pull it out, they then feed it into uh, more of a traditional Solera system, the way that most sherry uh, is aged and made. Mike, do you know what the Solera system is? Yeah, so because I don't. You have a you can picture like a jar with like a spigot at the bottom. I'm picturing that. So you have the old sherry, uh-huh. and you pour some out, and then you put some new sherry in, oh. and you do that over decade or century or whatever. And I, that, I do that with my whiskey. It's like it's uh, it's called an infinity bottle. You have a little bit of whiskey left, you put it in a decanter, mm-hmm. and you yeah. keep adding to it, right? Yeah, so it's, so it's the same you, thing. If you were to bottle that. Okay. Yeah. And had stages of it. So, like, after you filled up your first Infinity bottle, you then are like, this is, like, second-tier Infinity bottle. And after you filled up the first one, you poured half of it into the second gin and then filled that one up. Ah, so you're just sort of, you're mixing mixtures and you're just sort of keeping that going. And that is, what's that called? The Solera system. The Solera system. And that's how most sherry is made, or is it all sherry sherry is made? It's how sherry is made. I think more or less all sherry is made that way. I think Mm. it's like an AOC thing where it's Yeah, it has to be. Cool. Well, well, I mean, it all sounds really interesting, but now I want to drink it. <laughs> yeah, the main difference you're going to get between, say, the, they do have uh, sweet versions of this, too, and to me, those aren't quite as interesting. They don't drink a whole lot differently than most dessert wines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these dry ones, the Rancio Sec, uh, to me, they're almost just like imperial sherry or something. It's like the the funk, the earth, the mushroom, all that. Oh, yeah. That taste yeah. just really is just amplified. I ju- I'm sorry, I just scre- screamed into the microphone, but I had a sip of that, and that was that was delicious. So, for those that can't see, because you're not here with us, the Grenache Blanc Rancio is darker, and the Grenache Noir Rancio is lighter. So, yeah. It's cool. Well, so what am I drinking? I'm drinking the... I just had a sip of the Blanc. 
I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it I'm like you like you said, it's earthy, um, it's funky, it's not like overwhelmingly sweet at all. It's really dry. I love it. I love yeah. it. I just had the noir and it's super mushroomy. Like a forest floor. Mm. It's um this would actually go great with your Wellington. This would go great <laughs> with my beef Wellington. Oh man, that was that's nice. Well, and also I feel like the only way to follow up a beef Wellington is with a sherry. Or port or something like that. And then, you know, I have to take my top hat off and my monocle out of my eye and have my little sherry. I think that's good. So do you – have you experimented with this stuff in cocktails at all? Oh, yeah. Um, When I opened up um, Kill Devil House of Dark Spirits, uh, one of our popular drinks was the pipe game. And it was uh, (laughs) basically a pina colada that we split the base between uh, this – the one that you're drinking with the pinot – or I'm sorry, the ganache – Ganache Noir, mm-hmm. uh, or I'm sorry, the Blanc, uh, and we cut that with uh, f- uh, Rum Fire, which is a Jamaican rum. It's like the highest ester count of any spirit available on the U.S. market, high is my what? understanding. ABV? Ester count? What's an ester count? So the flavor compounds that you get when you drink spirits, when you're like, oh, I'm tasting this whiskey and I'm getting notes of... Uh, I don't know, vanilla apple or vanilla yeah, or something yeah. like that. Those are generally esters that form in the distillation process when fatty acids or, uh, chains come into contact with the alcohol. And in some rums, the entire goal is to just beef that up wow. as much as possible. Uh, so you get this very these very fruity, funky, vegetal, overripe banana flavors in the, in the rum. So we mixed it between this earthy, dirty sherry alternative basically and this mm-hmm. like super funky rum made of pina colada with the two of those wow so i so listeners i told you that <laughs> vince knows everything about <laughs> spirits and i always get an education uh when i talk to him so can you go out and just find this anywhere or is this a specialty or interestingly enough i wanted to bring some on the show uh when you guys told me uh, i was gonna be on this wednesday so I, I hit up the distributor to ask him where i could purchase it uh mhw uh is the one who carries this and he's like there's only like three people who have bought it from me other than you over the last year <laughs> and i was like well that's unfortunate well, i'll bring they? you a couple bottles <laughs> I'll bring you like where are you at? He's like I'll bring I'll bring you a couple bottles. We have a new one. They didn't have the one with the with the block before. Um, so that one was new. That one um, you can chew on. The body's so big. I I really it's very very cool. The the uh, noir is more the, I would say more sherry style that I'm mm-hmm. used to, and the blanc is something very different that yeah. I'm used to drinking. That's the one I fell in love with for yeah. sure. I think they're both really they're both really delicious and they're both really interesting. Again, Rancio Sec, um, Ron, Rancio, Rancio, Rancio Sec, and, <laughs> and they're they're delicious. Um, so tonight, that's what I'm drinking. I'm drinking a Rancio Sec. I'm gonna go try to find it someplace. Mike, what about you? What are you drinking tonight? Um, so Vince put me on years ago at end of the century to the Bijou. Uh huh. <laughs> so I'm gonna have one in honor of him. All right, cool. I should say what it is. Yeah, go it's ahead. It's a Negroni, but with uh, green chartreuse instead of Campari. So it's equal parts gin, sweet vermouth, and green chartreuse. Cool, Vince. What, what what's your drink of choice when you're not when you're not working? Whiskey neat. Is it a whiskey neat? <laughs> no, nah, usually rum neat, or just like a good IPA. Or if I'm really in a special mood, I'll do a cocktail. But. <laughs> or this if I got it. <laughs> yeah, this is good. I like this stuff. <laughs> well, I think that's all the time that we have for the Not A Foodie Show. So um, I think... Thank you so uh, much for having me, guys. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks thank for you. coming. And go check out Vince's website, expressdiscard.com. Um, it's a food and beverage consultancy. We are the Not A Foodie Show. We are at Not A Foodie Show on Instagram and Twitter. At T-M-I-A-L-E, T-M-I-A-L-E on Instagram and Twitter. At Mike Miranti, M-I-K-E-M-I-R-A-N-T-I. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. And give us some shout-outs. We listened to some view- viewer mail. We read some viewer mail on the last episode. We'd love to hear from everybody. So info at notafoodie.com. Hit us up. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.